Hello, thank you for listening to this podcast. My name is Stephen Cook, and this is a talk based on Peter's vision, which you can read about in Acts chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. If you don't know the story, I recommend you pause this and find a Bible and just read it. Acts chapter 11, verses 1 to 18. What do you know about entomophagy? Do you know what it means? It means the consumption of insects for food. Something like two billion people across the world have insects as a regular part of their diet. And some people say it is the food of the future. Bugs are high in protein. They take much less in the way of resources to grow and they taste surprisingly good. Termites, for example, have a pleasant minty flavor. Stink bugs, which smell horrible, taste like apples. Sago grubs, eaten across Southeast Asia, taste like bacon. And scorpions taste like fish. And tarantulas, guess what, like chicken. So it would make a lot of sense to eat insects, but most of us would take a lot of persuading, I'm guessing, because in our culture there is a strong taboo against eating insects just as there is against eating dog or, unlike our French cousins, eating horse. We associate insects with dirt and disease, and so they evoke in us a yuck factor that is designed to keep us safe from eating food that would hurt us. It isn't factual. Lots of human beings in other cultures eat insects and it doesn't harm them, but we have taken it in with our mother's milk. It's not that we'd like to eat a crunchy bug, but we're not allowed, is the fact that the thought of it is repulsive. I'm saying this because I think you have to have this in the back of your mind when you read about Peter's vision. If you read the book of Acts, you get this story twice because it happens, and then a little while later, Peter tells the story of what happened almost word for word. When a story is repeated in this way, you can be sure that the writer sees it as very significant. And indeed, this vision and Peter's response to it saved the church from a dangerous division and enabled a way forward, which still has important lessons for us today. As you know, Jesus was a Jew, or that apostles were Jews. There was a natural assumption in the very early church that if you wanted to be a Christian, you would have to first become a Jew. You would have to take on the whole law of Moses with all its commandments about circumcision and what you could eat and what you couldn't, about ceremonial washing, the Sabbath laws, etc., etc. But from a very early stage, Gentiles started becoming Christians as well. They accepted Jesus as Lord. They were baptised and filled with the Holy Spirit. What was the church going to do with these people? And there was a very serious division of opinion, with Paul and others saying that to insist on the Gentiles becoming Jews was a backward step, and others saying, no, we should insist on it. So much depended on what the original respected leaders of the church like Peter would decide. And as he was thinking about it, Peter had a dream. In the dream, Peter saw a sheet being lowered from heaven with every kind of forbidden creature in it. Peter heard the command, rise Peter, kill and eat. And he responded, by no means for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. And the voice said, what God has called clean you must not call unclean. This happened three times, and then there was a knock at the door, and there were three men from Caesarea 
with a request that he go to Joppa to minister to some Gentiles. And because of the dream, Peter went. What has this got to do with entomophagy? Because Peter's reaction to the vision was similar to our reaction when I started talking about eating insects. There was a real yuck factor in this dream for Peter. The idea of eating these creatures was not just wrong, it was disgusting. From his infancy, Peter would have been taught to associate certain kinds of creature with dirt and sin, and there was a huge barrier for him to overcome. But when the knock on the door came, of course, he had to wake up to the fact that actually the dream was not about meat, but about people. As a Jew of his time, Peter would have been taught that not only were certain foods unclean, but certain people were as well. People who ate those foods, who did not wash as commanded, who were uncircumcised, who didn't keep the law of Moses, were to be kept at a distance in case their uncleanness contaminated you. If you went into the home of a Gentile, and especially if you ate with them, it would render you unclean. But the voice in the dream forced Peter to confront his prejudice. Do not call unclean what I have called clean. God is to be the judge, not him. So he went to Joppa and baptised the man who had sent for him and his whole household. And, just as John the Baptist had predicted, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The unmistakable sign for the early church that these people were indeed part of the kingdom of God. The people accepted Peter's testimony and after a while a compromise was agreed whereby Jews and Gentiles could both be part of the church without offending each other. This agreement was crucial for the unity and mission of the church and enabled things to hold together through the persecutions that were soon to follow. What's it all got to say to us? Well, I'd like to talk about prejudice. There's actually nothing intrinsically wrong with prejudice. It's a natural response which keeps us safe. If you're walking through the park on a dark night and you hear footsteps behind keeping pace with yours, you would be right to be cautious. It probably isn't a serial killer, but it might be. It's natural to make assumptions about people on the basis of their age or their gender or the way they're dressed or the way they talk. There's nothing wrong with doing that as long as we recognise that most of the time we will get it wrong. It's a starting position to assume that an old lady won't like rap music, but you might be wrong. A young person might well know how to use a smartphone better than you, but not all of them do. A man in a suit might be a professional, but he might not. We get it wrong much of the time. We should ditch our prejudices about who God can and cannot call to be part of the kingdom. I've learned over the years that God works in the most unlikely people in the most unexpected ways. We need to learn to listen beneath our prejudices to what God is actually saying. We need to suppress any kind of yuck factor we may have towards other people. We need to learn not to call unclean what God has called clean. Peter would have inherited the assumptions of his people that only the Jews could be the chosen people. The law of Moses was what made people acceptable to God. Those who lived outside it were not. Generations of prejudice would have been stored up inside Peter, but to his eternal credit, he was able to rise above it and embrace people 
who just a few years before he would have had nothing to do with as his brothers and sisters. The antidote to prejudice is openness. I don't mean the naive assumption that everyone is basically the same or that everyone is nice, but in our case as Christians, openness to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. There are actually two visions reported in the story from Acts. Peter has one, and so does the man in Joppa. He has a message to send to Peter and ask him to come. Peter's dream meant that he was prepared to say yes when the call came. The Holy Spirit is at work in the lives of the people around us, but our prejudices, our tendency to prejudge and decide who can and cannot be part of the kingdom, can prevent us from seeing it. There are people who are now positive, active members of the church, who when I first met them, I would never have thought would be remotely interested in faith. I hate to think how many times there have been in my life where I've not got past my first prejudices and have assumed things about people which aren't true. In each and every conversation, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to be our guide about what is going on. Nothing is impossible for God, and we need to believe that. No one is beyond the scope of God's grace. We need to embrace that. And you know, the same thing applies to us. If God has justified us, who are we to condemn ourselves? There is no condemnation, the Bible says, for those who are in Christ Jesus. Is there a little bit of condemnation? No. It's not a bad exercise next time you look in the mirror to take a long, hard look at yourself. Think about all the ways you judge yourself and then repeat those words. Do not call unclean what I have called clean. And if God does not condemn us, if we are not written off, who are we to judge others and write them off? If we are counted in, how can we count others out? You've actually been eating insects for years. The acceptable limit of insect infestation in hops is 2,500 aphids per 10 grams. Canned fruit juices are allowed up to one maggot per 250 mils. Curry powder is allowed up to 100 insect fragments, head, body, legs, per 25 grams. Mind you, that is an American Food Standards website. You've been eating it all this time and you haven't even noticed. The Holy Spirit is at work all around us and at work in us. Peter sets us an example by being willing to be obedient to the vision and go where he was sent in spite of the prejudices he had. And we need to rise above our own assumptions about people, about what God can and cannot do, and about ourselves. We need to obey God's command. Do not call unclean what I have called clean. May God bless this word to us. Amen.